but definitely find your passions because that's what's going to keep driving you and like the money will come but if you want to start a business when you're in high school do something very simple first yeah you know because it's probably practice like unless you're like a prodigy it's probably not going to be your last business hey guys today on the after foreplay podcast we sit down with a friend of mine josh gonzalez Josh is the founder and CEO of Controverse, an end-to-end VR production and distribution company. In a world full of people with ideas, Josh is actually executing upon his in VR. He has been nominated for Canadian Screen Award, and I am really excited for this episode, especially for you early-stage entrepreneurs. As we unpack topics from starting a business in high school to being in business with your significant other and some bullshit in between. At the end of the day, Josh is a straight up doer and he enables so many people around him. Enjoy. All right, and we're live. How's it going? It's going good. Got our first guest today. Our first guest. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. We would have introed him earlier on in this this little podcast. We're going to be introing guests outside of the present. We decided it was awkward to Do enter I have somebody any say, or are you just going to like Google me or like go on? Hmm. I don't think we should let you have any say. No. Because then it's bias. Yeah. Yeah. No, At absolutely. least go on my website and like see what <laughs> I've said about myself <laughs> first. Like, what does this guy think he is? All right. That's fair. Yeah. I think, I think it's fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think we can give a little bit of, I, I think we're going to intro Josh, but I think we give it like the viewers a little bit of backstory in terms of like how we're on the same the room right now. The relationship. Yeah. So I've known Josh probably like three or four years now. Um, we, we went to university together or went to the same university. I don't think we ever ran into each other while we were there. No, we didn't. At all. Um, it was after I had left that we had kind of crossed paths, um, I think mainly over Webflow, right? Yes. We were both using Webflow to develop websites. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in like seeking out advice, I think we stumbled upon each other and then we ended up just rifling messages back and forth while we were learning the platform. Um, and through that led to like a bunch of other good conversations, I feel like, um, and now and you guys are actually like heading this, the conferences that they do, right? Or the events? Well, yeah, Webflow the events in Toronto. We're, yeah. run, Toronto. we're running the Webflow Toronto events, oh, that's pretty cool. um, which are pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I think you had said, how much did Webflow re- raise recently? They just recently raised $72 million. Yeah, so I think a. both of us were re- really, we're both, both bought in on Webflow, but like hearing that kind of news. Yeah. Um, yeah. Years ago, years ago, we got into it and it was cool. That's what got us kind of connected. And then yeah. it's just been so much stuff ever since I'm sure we'll chat about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what initially were you using Webflow for? So I was, back then? so back then, I think I was mainly using it for like personal sites, prototypes, and then uh, a couple client sites. Like I realized, oh, I can use Webflow now to build fully functional sites for clients. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I was just like a UX designer. I was just like designing apps and like it just make a static image. Mm-hmm. But now with Webflow, I can build like a fully functional website and it was super empowering. Right. It was, I think for, for that, it was like, it was like as designers, we were then, we were always handcuffed by development. I think using Webflow is like, oh, we, we can do like anything we want now, um, yeah. which was like really, really cool. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's so cool that yeah we bonded over Webflow, but we do pretty different things. Oh, now. super different. Things. I think we still use Webflow in our workflow for the yeah. different things. Yeah, huh, that's cool. So, so yeah. what was the first business that you'd started, and was it in school or was it when you left? So interestingly enough, I would say the first business I started was actually a home recording studio when I was in high school. I was okay. in grade 10, 11, and I just started learning how to like record music. I was in playing in bands for like my entire life. 
playing in bands at the time and I wanted to record our music. So I started buying all this equipment. I was recording stuff. And then other bands in the scene realized that I actually record pretty good, pretty well. It sounded great. Posting up on SoundCloud and like, wow, like uh, we need to record our demos. We need to record our EP. So what was the band? So my band is called Wild Frontiers at the time. It was like an indie band. Uh, Before that, I helped record uh, like some screamo bands. I was like in hardcore, like, like, yeah, like hardcore (laughs) screamo bands before. I was playing drums and then I switched to guitar or keyboard when I was recording. And then as I was recording this stuff, uh, all these bands would reach out to me. They wanted to record. So I started making money off that. It was not only paying for all that equipment that I bought, but it was also paying for more. So that was my first like business, I would say. And then after that, I was like freelancing, which I still don't consider a full business because it was just kind of, you know, me doing designs and stuff for other businesses. It wasn't Mm -hmm. really me running a full business. So we can kind of talk about that too. I mean, I see freelancing and running a business slightly differently. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys, yeah. what are your guys thoughts on that? I feel like, for, so I feel like when you started, when you start doing your own thing, you, the, the first thing you can call a business, you call it a business. Like it's like, if I think like anybody who's on an excuse to call you, it a business, you, want ex- you look for any yeah. excuse to call it a yeah. business. I think as you get, as you get like more mature with business, I think there's a distinct difference between freelancing and business. And it's that like, I think someone can be a solo entrepreneur without help and run what would be a business. But I also think they can do the freelance thing. I think the difference is building processes that multiply your time. Because like that's the product you're selling. Then is like now you're not selling your time. It's the it's the transition when you start selling processes instead of your time or systems you built instead of your time. Even if you're still doing the work, um, if you've built things around your life that multiply your time to where uh, something that would usually take someone an hour is now taking you half an hour, and you're and you're only and you're getting chart and you're charging for an hour. I think that's when you cross over the line of becoming a business. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's it's the time thing. Yeah. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. you can, yeah, freelancing is totally different. You're, you're doing a service for people. You can sell a service business, but you can have other people doing that for you. It's not yeah. Josh Gonzalez doing, you know, your web design. It's, you know, your agency with like whoever else doing it. One book that actually blew my mind that made me think totally different about the stuff was a book called The Millionaire Fast Lane. I don't know if you guys have heard of it no i haven't it blew my mind i highly recommend that book um and basically it talks about the the um the process of making money and it's all about that um exponential time um where, where you're not really dependent on the amount of time that you're putting in. You have processes, automations, tools, mm-hmm. and other people that are making that money that are doing the processes that you otherwise would be doing. So that was one book that like totally made me think differently about business. Interesting. I feel like it could be a sticking point for freelancers. Like they, they, yeah. they provide a full service for another business. They see the value go out and it's all that the businesses need. And it's like, oh, I can just keep doing this and doing it. And then it, it becomes kind of like a crutch. Yeah. They, they don't realize that they're the bottleneck. Yeah, I, I can see a lot of freelancers getting stuck there, even when yeah. they, they have a bigger business, more clients, for bigger sure. projects. I think, I think another thing is that if it's a creative business, you're so attached to the work and you're yeah. also getting hired based on your previous work. So when you're getting hired based on your previous work, you did the previous work. So that's a huge transition. Like when you start delegating creative work and you're so attached to everything you always put out, 
um, that's an even more risk-taking point, like psychologically, than it is just like making the leap. It's like yeah. even if you do make that leap, it's like, are you actually gonna give that to the client, or are you gonna redo it yourself before you send it to them? Literally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you and I are on that same page, and yeah. it's like it's the hardest thing, especially as a creative, and it's a different type of mindset where you just have to delegate and just be like, you know what, that's not how I would do it. But at the other end, you can get work that's way better than you could ever do because that's not the way you would, you would do it. it yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah, it's tough. it goes both ways. But um, I'm definitely still trying to let go uh yeah. some of that stuff i feel like well. there's still so many things i do day to day that i should not be doing but yeah it's like that for all entrepreneurs too right yeah, like yeah. it's always a hard thing to hire somebody for what you could be doing better when you're like it would yeah. take me less time to do this than it takes t- for me to train you to do it right yes yeah right. that's that's yeah. the sticking point yeah man yeah the that's training true. is a huge thing man that's like the biggest thing that's what most entrepreneurs spend the most money on it's the biggest headache mm. but worst part of hiring right the training so i think that's like a, a big part like systematizing what you do yeah and transferring that to other people and that's part of this kind of like fast lane idea hmm. that i brought up in that book where it's like listen you could be designing one thing and it'll take you a week to design this thing or you can have a marketplace website where you have like a thousand different designers can go in and design stuff that other clients would go and ask people to design so instead of me doing it, I can have a thousand other people kind of working for me technically, and I'm getting a cut of that mm. pie, creating a marketplace. So, yeah, it's kind of like a yeah. switch where you become passionate about building a system. Yes, like that, that's the new thing you're yes. building is the system. Totally. There's a mm. you like autobiographies or biographies? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Have you read the Ray Kroc one? No. On the McDonald's guy? No, I oh, haven't. It's really good. So he he was like really really passionate about building an awesome systems for business. So that so when he like came and saw the McDonald's brothers building out that restaurant. He came in and saw this like amazing, efficient machine that was making burgers. That's awesome. And that's the thing that he fell in love with was the system behind that's it. That's so cool. And I'm, I'm yeah. exactly on that point now. I'm super passionate about building like systems where something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I think those are the entrepreneurs that make it big. I would, I would, I would think oh, so. Yeah. It kind of makes yeah. sense, right? Everyone has a, everyone has a limit, you know, you can't, mm, yeah. it doesn't matter how, doesn't matter how much you hack your own time. You, if you want to build something bigger than yourself, you have to be like, yeah, it's exponential for how much you have to let go totally. <laughs> of compared to what you're doing. You have to let go of like thousands of times more than what you do day to day. Yeah. And then it's building a culture on that system yeah. that's self-organizing mm. and starts upgrading. So it's like this exponential uh, feedback loop that's not just doing what you said to do, but then they can keep changing it and making better, making it better, making it yeah. better. Mm-hmm. And doing th- and getting over that leap of like, I feel like every entrepreneur is always, and I've been saying it for as long as I was like, I wish I just had a second me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you, like everyone says that, like it's a thing that could fucking happen, but there's no yeah. chance. Like if you ever get, and I'm still like stuck on that idea. Like I just, if I had another one of me, imagine. Yeah. But it, it, that's the thing is you have to get over that. Like, you know, you're never going to find a second you. You can't find someone to just scale what you're doing. You have to scale little pieces of what you're doing. Exactly. Piece by piece. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's like what Siri is supposed to be and what these like digital um, AI what do you call them? Like assistants, like assistants, AI yeah. assistants, yeah. chatbot, not even, no, it's not chatbots. It's something different. The AI assistants, that's what it's supposed to be doing. I think that's like the whole idea, idea. behind them mm. It's to kind of like duplicate yourself or like using it as your assistant. Cause your assistant should be your second you. Mm. Like a lot of people have VAs. Like my brother has a VA mm-hmm. uh, for those listening, virtual assistant. I'm sure you guys know, but, yeah. um, and he always talks about it. He's like, yeah, man, he's like, 
he's like a second me. I'm like building a second version of me. So I think if you find the right people like that, you could like, this guy's a monster. Mitch will like, so my brother Mitch, he would like send him like some books to read, but this dude would come back with like 20 other books are similar and he would have it all like written down, like all Uh, these notes. This guy's like a monster. So like now he has him doing like half the stuff that Mitch normally would be doing and the guy can be doing it for him. I think he writes, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but pretty sure he writes his like emails and stuff so it's like in his own voice so same thing Mm -hmm. if you didn't have to write your emails like someone that knows your voice but if you had an ai assistant Mm -hmm. that could do that you don't have to pay a person to do that because i don't know if like that should be another person's job here's the real question though what happens when two ai assistants start talking to each other Oh, it's like those <laughs> Google Home and Alexa yeah. chats. Those yeah, are hilarious next to each other. <laughs> Would yeah. stuff actually yeah. get done? Like I don't, I don't know. But what or if they, it or does? What if like, or they what just if get distracted? It'll get that good. I feel like it could get that good though. That's kind of like what a virtual assistant's doing. They're just learning off what you, you know the decisions that you're making to the point where they can make those decisions and those calls on their own. Yeah. 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 So where where is the VA that he hired? I think he's based in India. Okay. I mean, yeah. that's pretty generic, but I'm pretty sure he, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure he's based in yeah. India. I mean, we have a couple of VAs and they're all like, they don't really do the stuff that we do. Um, they're more offloading business mm. tasks. Yeah. Um, I hired a, a VA from the Philippines about a year ago and I started her off with all personal tasks, like really, really weird ones. Like I would just be interested in some sort of like, w- w- what's the, what's the actual benefit of bone broth or something like that? And I'd be like, just, <laughs> just look into that today and present the studies to me at the end of the day. But things that would be interesting that would probably be beneficial that you, they could just go deep on that you don't have time to do. Did they do it? Like, did yeah. you get like actual knowledge? Off yeah. Of well, she still works for you too. Yeah, she now. still works for me. You yeah. transitioned her, but into, into more of like That's a, awesome. like a business dev person, but, but she was doing everything. There's, um, there's an app out there. I recently stumbled uh, upon it, but I haven't tried it yet. It's called magic. And I can't remember, I'll try to send you guys a link so you can like link it in the show description or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what it was. I just remember it's called Magic. And it essentially was uh, a VA tool, like a live chat. But instead of you talking to a chat bot, like they would connect you with a bunch of VAs. So you could ask it to do anything. So you can like give it your logins for like certain things. And it would do all these tasks for you. Mm-hmm. So exactly like mm-hmm. a VA. But I would assume it's a lot cheaper. Like how, how much are, are VAs usually? Do you guys so know? in the in the Philippines, I think the average salary for like any like a like a white collar type of job, yeah. like a professor or something like that, is like five hundred US dollars a month. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So anything a little bit under that Un- under that is usually what we start our Filipino workers on yeah. and kind of graduate them up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Ah. So yeah. Pretty pretty inexpensive for a full time worker. It is worker. it is very ex- inexpensive, and that's where you can get things to like. So it's you, worth it. Yeah. It's worth it, and, and it also makes it a little bit more reasonable to do things like get them to research <laughs> bone broth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then the challenge becomes their time zone is opposite in the Philippines. Right. So, uh, you know, I don't, I had originally the VA working on our time zone, Eastern Standard Time, but then, so she's up all night working, you know, and I just, oh. it's definitely not healthy long term. So I don't be- know. Eventually I was like, okay, you know, you're kind of independent now. I'll let you go back to your own hours. And then. True. Yeah. Mitch's VA is nocturnal. I'm pretty sure oh, really? he's on his time zone pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Or like the end. Yeah. Or like, like maybe the end of the day. Like maybe it's like mm. half. But you, you can work it out. You yeah. know, so that they're up for a few hours while you're up in the morning or at night. But or even if you just decide to change your hours a little bit, you know, like, I mean, at the beginning, we were like having calls with them always at like 8 p.m. That's 8 a.m. their time. That's not super it, obtrusive to like everyday life, um, especially when you work long hours. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's ways around it. Yeah. I've been working with Ukrainian developers on a new mm-hmm. product from Controverse. So we didn't really get into that. But no. my company, Controverse, virtual reality company. Uh, we're just building a new SaaS product, and I've been working with some developers from the Ukraine, and that time zone is actually awesome, sort of, for us, because when I wake up in the morning, it's the end of their workday. So they just finished all their work, 
and they have about two hour time period where I can review their work, send them feedback in those extra two hours. They'll implement that. Mm. And then that's my morning. Right. And all everything I need to get done is up, done. Even set them up for the next day. Exactly. Right? Like yeah. Really like hit it, hit the nail. It, that's mm. exactly yeah. it. Yeah. It's cool. Really good time zone. So I think like hacking time zones is really mm. cool too. That's interesting. Because I mean, I'm really, really interested in uh, remote work culture right now. Hmm. Um, not just with um, hiring like VAs and like other people like assistants, but like full-time staff members that are completely distributed around the, the world. And there's a lot of really good companies out there that a are remote, like Webflow. I'm pretty sure is mainly remote. That's what we had heard. We had met with some yeah. Webflow developers at set. And then there's so many companies that are building tools for remote teams, so like Notion, which I got you guys on, yeah, um, is great. like one of the best things ever, and that's uh, such a great remote work tool. Right. So what, what, what do you think about that in terms of like what we're talking about before, like building culture in a company and then having, you know, a lot of remote workers? Do, do, you, do you think that you could build a strong of a culture? I know that there's a lot of people in e-commerce right now that are kind of tied up once they hit like a certain scale where it's like, should, should we just be hiring people here? Or even though we can get two or three people abroad, what, what are the benefits and drawbacks? And it's been something that we've kind of discussed yeah. too, where you don't have that person with you all the time. You know, what's yeah. your opinion on that? It's super hard. Like, honestly, I really don't know because I'm still in like the early stages of all You've this. You've got a good amount of people though working right yeah. now remote. Yeah, we have some people remote, some people here in Toronto working with us. And I got to say from my my experience so far it doesn't really matter but having the team all in one place like physically it's something totally different because you know nowadays with like remote work with social media with all this technology um it, there's something that happens when you all get together like we could have done this this podcast over like zoom or skype yeah. but there's something about us being in the same room like i can like right. touch you like it's mm -hmm. weird like this yeah, is yeah. like some so immersive right. and i think the culture uh, when you're all in the same group like this, and you have something a little bit deeper, a deeper connection. And we we're talking earlier before we started this podcast about the Facebook headquarters and like their culture. I mean, it's a mm -hmm. huge workforce, but there's something about that culture where you're going to a place. It's like you go to Facebook land. It's like going to Disney yeah. World. You know, you can watch Disney movies and like that culture spreads. But as soon as you go to Disney World, like it's something totally yeah. different than watching it. But you can almost you can almost make that same analogy where, you know, watching Disney movies and all this different disney crap that's out there it's all over hey everyone man, is don't trash right? disney i love disney but <laughs> crap i mean like physical like plush yeah, toys yeah. and stuff yeah, yeah. like you it's part of their culture and they're spreading that culture around the world but there's something different when you go to a disneyland mm. so i i don't know i'm still toying with that idea but i think virtual reality will help that a little ah, bit it'll be okay. somewhere in between and I'd love to talk about that. So, like, I think VR in workplace collaboration is going to be a game changer. Huh. Uh, if you guys are interested in this, look up a company called Normal. Um, just type in Normal VR and, and you'll find them. They have some really good Medium posts about how they're a fully remote team. And they've some of them have never even met each other ever in real life. And they work together in VR. So, they built this tool called Normcore where they can all basically build multiplayer VR games together. And that's what the company does now. They build multiplayer VR games, but they also work in VR together. So instead of, you know, hopping on Slack or whatever and chatting, they put on a VR headset and they're actually talking to, to each mm. other one-to-one -one and they mm. can draw and type in VR space. So there's a lot of other companies doing this VR remote collaboration tools. And I think that will be the future of work. Interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. I feel like that could bridge the gap a little bit. You could yes. bridge the gap. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about like, too, it's like, like you're saying, getting a little bit of a deeper connection. You could get that so much quicker 
you know, if, if you onboarded someone new, rather than having them come to the office, if they live, you know, in a different if a different country or something or going to see them, like you could get that little bit of connection that day, you know, like just Amazon Prime them an Oculus yeah. or something and then yeah. like, right, hop on a call and then everybody in the, is in the same room and stuff. It could be interesting, like especially early on in like a working relationship. Yeah, and I feel like that could, for people who aren't really in the VR space and they don't really know too much about it, that could be like a little overwhelming, you know, like because mm-hmm. I'm like imagining like, if we have like a VR work environment, it's not going to look like an office. We're going to be on fucking Mars yeah, or something. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> like, you know, you know? Yeah, like yeah. it's going to be And imagine now you have like 50 people like, hello, welcome yeah. to Mars. Like, <laughs> yeah. dude, like I would want to just go one to one in like a room. And be like, okay, now we're just like, let's take it step by step. So like, yeah. I mean, I always talk about, um, you know, ethical VR. And I think that's part of it, you know, yeah. especially if you'd ask them in the onboarding process over like a flat video like Skype or Zoom. Have you used VR before? like no okay let's take this slow let's chat first together i'll show you around our space and how we work and how we do this some good vr hr practices <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> hell yeah man i think that will be i'll be huge i'll be a whole other job yeah, yeah. I've, I've never done vr multiplayer or had had more than <sighs> just myself I. in it dude yeah. H- how close is it to feeling like you're actually in the room with the person so close really yeah i mean it depends what you're playing but again so that company normal just came out with uh, a game called half and half and it's for like, it's awesome. So I played with two of my buddies, uh, Mike and Michael, two Mikes, and uh, they're Mike also and VR developers. And we've used this tool that they created called Normcore in our own app. So we've made multiplayer games together um, using their tool. And then we decided to all buy that game the day it came out a couple like last week, and we all met up in VR and we we're all there. But the funniest thing is their avatars are fucking hilarious. <laughs> They're like you're like these weird blobs, and the way that they have their arms linked, like your arms don't move like ours do. It's always wavy. So like when you move your arms, it's all wiggly. <laughs> so you can imagine people just kind of like doing this like wormy movement, and then the games in there are hilarious. Like. It's just like so delightful. Like it's something that's beyond just yeah. being together in a room. Like you can do mm. some really funny stuff. They have one game in half and half called hide and seek where it's a four per- person game. Two people become hiders and two people become seekers. The two people who are hiders become small, really small, like mouse size. And they're running around this tiny little <laughs> place. And the people who are seekers become giants. And you're like looking around like, where are you? And the people who become big giants, um, their voice gets changed. So they like, you can talk to each other through the headset. And their voice becomes really deep. They're like, yo, I'm going to come find you. And then the people <laughs> who are little, like, oh, my God, run away. Like your voice automatically gets changed. And it's just so fucking funny. Like that's mm. something you couldn't do in reality. You yeah. play hide and seek in right. your apartment here, but like not like that. Yeah, that's cool. It's interesting what you're saying about being like in it, transforming the the relationship you have with someone with VR, how they have like the silly arms. Be interesting if you could like diffuse arguments better. If you both hopped into <laughs> yeah. VR, put on your silly suits. <laughs> like if you if you're having a, I don't know like a fight with like a significant other, you just like okay, let's go into VR, put on our silly yeah. suits where you can't take this per get mad at this person and then like diffuse situations more. I'm yeah. doing that with Marissa. <laughs> oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So long story short, Marissa is both my significant other and partner in controversy. So we're always uh, in VR. I think we're gonna use that. We're gonna jump in half and half, go wiggly arms. <laughs> Jokes. We don't really argue that much. Like we're pretty cool with that kind of stuff. I mean, you kind of have to if you're working with someone and like living yeah. with them. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm gonna use that one. We're gonna do that. Yeah, go ahead and yeah. put your silly suits on. Cool. Yeah. Next time I come over, I'm gonna bring over the quest. So you guys yeah. can try this. We have to do so with that empty fun. room because you're saying we could do like room scale, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That'd be sweet. So I'm interested if you're willing to talk about it about like how your relationship's been going. Uh, sorry, what did you say your name was? Marissa. Marissa. How, you, how your relationship is with Marissa and also being a business partner. Because we have a couple of friends that are doing their business with their significant other. And it's always like, you know, like we had, we had um, 
Oh, we'll bring it up another time. But yeah, I'm interested to hear how, how that's going. Are going to talk about that? Are they going to I don't even know what you're talking about. Sin- significant others? Well, with the, with the, uh, about um, David and Alex. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I'm interested to hear how, that, how that's going. How, how long have you been running the business together for? So we actually co-founded the company together okay. technically in 2017. It's been about, yeah, almost three years. While you're still in school, right? While we're still in school. Yeah. So how it worked was... We started this company as a thesis project at Ryerson. It uh. was like we were going to make three VR short films. And she was like one of the first people that I talked to and said, hey, I want you to work with mm-hmm. me on this. We were together. I'm like, oh, I know you could do this. And then like we worked so well together that um, when I wanted to spin it off as a company, like it made total sense for her to be the co-founder and like really help me out. Uh, me being like the creative brain and her being like um, organizational. She's like mm-hmm. an executive producer mindset. We need um, one of those. Yeah, she's <laughs> great. Yeah, we need one of those. How much time does, does she? Have? Does Marissa have any sisters? <laughs> or also, also organized. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it, was, it worked out awesome. So I'm totally cool talking about this stuff. In fact, um, one of the podcast ideas that I've had to reboot. I just was talking to you guys about my old podcast, how we canned it, and Marissa and I have been talking about possibly doing a podcast where it's, you know, partially her and I talking about this, but then also finding other. Um, significant other mm. Um, mm. co-founder couples and talking to them uh, about it. Like I'm a huge fan of Tom Billiou and Lisa Billiou yeah. in Pack Theory. They both yeah. com- co- co-founded the company together. So we learn a lot from them. Like they mm. have a great podcast called Relationship Theory. We, we learn a lot about that. Um, and then for me and Marissa, it's just really about um, setting boundaries. Like uh, it's really easy to get caught up and just keep work on all the time, but yeah. knowing when to turn off and like, okay, like work time's over. Let's, you know, this is like personal time. Um, so we're pretty good with that. But I mean, of course there's some times where it's like 11 PM. I'm like brushing my teeth. I'm like, I just had an idea, <laughs> but it's great that I can talk to her about yeah. it. I don't have to like, you know, call someone up or like text them. Yeah. And then she's like, Oh yeah, great. And then, you know, so it's, it's good. I, I, I personally enjoy it. I don't know if it's for everyone. It's definitely for a certain type of person slash mm-hmm. like relationship. Yeah. So that was what I was going to ask. Like, would you recommend it to somebody who's considering it? And, and like, what would be the factors that you'd say, Oh, well maybe you should m- make sure this is good first or how, how would you, how would you tell somebody or advise somebody who's thinking? Of starting I just want to clarify the time you guys were working on the project before you started dating. For no, no, we were okay. dating first. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay, yeah, okay. Okay. yeah. yeah. yeah we right. were dating for about a year before that. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I how I'd recommend. I'd have to like psychoanalyze these people. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have yeah. to like literally like I'm like I want to I want you guys a to like, I want to like chat with you guys. I'd have to do like a yeah. consulting session with them. You know, like mm. what are you guys doing? It's kind uh, of funny because even just know? like any business partner is basically a relationship. It is. It that's is, exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. But again, we were actually just talking about how you don't live, like you work here during the day, but you don't live with Zach, right? Yeah. And yeah. what was the thing that you brought up right away when you said that? You're like, oh, imagine if like we spend enough time together. Oh, no, because we, we, we were initially thinking about living together. Like yeah. that was like on the table as, like, as we were looking at places. Um, and then Shane had like brought up like, hey, we spent a lot of, like we even vacation together. <laughs> like like straight up, we go on, we go on vacation together. So it's like there would be like there wouldn't be we would go months without without not seeing each other. Like because we're yeah. working like 10 to 12 hour days. Already. And then we're working out together as well. Yeah. So if it, we it had a significant other, we would see each other significantly more than them. Like, yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Which I feel like that's the way it ends up working out in business relationships. Yeah. yeah. It always yeah. is. At least yeah. it's yeah. the start of So it definitely yeah. is. And again, it's just a matter of, I think a lot of people aren't really used to like um, different genders maybe with co-founders. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if that would, again, if Marissa and I, and I weren't together, I don't know if that would introduce some like weird sexual tension. Like I'm just mm-hmm. being completely honest. Right. right. Um, like m- stuff might happen. I don't know if people would like 
if it was a guy and a girl that were founding a company together and they each had significant others and they were spending more time together, I'm pretty sure their significant others would be a little Shane weird. has you you have a you have a you have a female co founder. Yeah, Misha, Misha yeah? for Nomesthetics. Yeah. Nice okay, and how did that go? It's it's going really well. I mean, I have a great relationship with her now fiance. So I think oh, that, okay. that helps with things. Yeah. Um him and him and I get along great. So I think there's you know, there's a lot of trust between the two of them independently, but you know, me having a relationship with with, with him as well definitely yeah. helps. That definitely helps. Yeah, and I th- I think it you know, being be having a male female relationship as fa- as co-founders, it, it it works well when we're in you know business situations with yeah. people. If we're working with like a girl photographer, then Misha can really relate to her, and if we get a guy, then maybe I can relate to him a little bit more. So it, I think it definitely has its advantages. So totally, it's worked out well for us so far. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that, though. Again, the the um the different gender and the different um I'll call it sexual energy because that's what it is like male sex, female sex is exactly that. Yeah. You can relate on that level totally mm. differently yeah all right yeah so it's cool. awesome i want to backtrack a little bit because i feel like it's just been eating the back of my head so i didn't know that you had a business in high school so yeah. like a little bit of like a of a similarity with that i would say like maybe this would be like a cool little spot to drop drop in some like value nuggets if someone wanted to start a business in high school i think both if we were looking back we'd probably both be like oh it was by accident kind of thing yeah but if we wanted to give you wanted to give yourself yourself uh some advice like give yourself some advice like whatever amount of years that was ago, what would be like the piece of advice you'd give yourself in high school while starting your business? Okay. So I guess it would have to be some more foundational stuff because we're assuming that it's the technology that existed back then or like, am uh, I talking to a high school You're person talking to right a high school person now. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Because like that's actually, this will be the same thing because it's foundational. I would definitely say like, look ahead, like do the old saying that, uh, you know, Wayne Gretzky would say, don't look where the puck is, look where the puck is going. Yeah. So especially mm-hmm. while you're really young, look where trends are going towards, like maybe not even stuff that's trendy now, like, you know, the whole cryptocurrency boom and all that stuff, but really think ahead, like, you know, 10, 20 years where things might be heading and like, what can you start doing now? I remember I had almost the idea for Dropbox when I was in the basement in my home recording studio and I just had this weird epiphany. I'm like, whoa, I have files on my computer and other people have files on their computer. Eventually, we're going to be able to access each other's files on each other's computer and boom, Dropbox is mm-hmm. basically what it is, right? Yeah. So I had all these weird epiphanies. So it's like, how could you now do that as a high school student? How could you start building on those? So find the, then find the skills that you need to do that. So if you want to create an e-commerce store, you're going to have different skills than if you want to start um, a software company or like a VR company. But definitely find your passions because that's what's going to keep driving you and like the money will come but if you want to start a business when you're in high school do something very simple first yeah you know because it's probably practice like unless you're like a prodigy it's probably not gonna be your last business yeah. i feel like that's a really good piece of advice yeah. like most of the aspiring entrepreneurs i talk to they always have this massive huge idea of a billion dollar company yeah when it's like entrepreneurship in reality works kind of on a gradual system even yeah, if it's sure. the first idea yeah. Yeah. totally right? you provide small value at first and you know there's the outliers of course but i like that like people have this idea for a billion dollar company okay so gary v talks about this all the yeah. time right he's like yeah. okay so have you ever made a hundred million dollar company well, well, too, a like 10 million dollar company <laughs> first you gotta get from zero to one yes. you know like, like make your get first to, dollar get to zero to one then figure out how to live like i think there's so many things that happen before you're even ready to not have an idea because the idea doesn't matter that's the thing people have ideas for billion dollar companies anyone can have those yeah. ideas. but the thing between the idea and having the billion dollar company is a fuck ton of execution and a lot of mistakes yeah. and all that kind of stuff and a lot of roller coasters so mm-hmm. it's and it you would not want to 
you wouldn't want to learn those things on your on your last ride you know like you, you learn those like along the way on these like little side projects and stuff yeah and then, and then you fail you build on that you learn yeah. you start adding you have the backpack and you're just putting For all sure. these things in the backpack yeah. as you go yeah i feel like too it's like then you can learn quickly what business idea will be good and what will be bad if that makes sense like yeah I think there's so many people that are trying to start their first business and like in the position i am people kind of come and they're like hey maybe there's like kind of bounce an idea off you and then they'll bounce an idea and it's almost like i don't even know where to start on telling them where it's bad because there's so many areas where it's bad but then it's like well the reason why they don't know it's bad because they haven't done this 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 and this this why would they know that you didn't yeah. know that before it's it's interesting because it's like there is so much to learn especially in business um from a technical level but then like i feel like the nuances of ideas and creativity there's a lot to learn in that too which you can't teach anybody mm. and that's just from practice it's just like being at the grindstone and, and learning yeah um, and there's a huge difference between creativity and business right so like you can learn all these skills and have cool ideas for a product but that's different from getting people to pay you right yeah. so it's like find something that people will pay for yeah yeah, that's totally. the biggest thing. If it's like a business thing, yeah, sure, you can learn how to design stuff, how to build, how to be an engineer, uh, but can you build something that someone will pay for? Yeah. That's the big question. Mm -hmm. Or do a service that someone will pay for? Mm -hmm. Seems like a lot of people get stuck up on the idea phase. Yeah. You know, a, a, a lot of people thing, that I end yeah. up talking to in that kind of early entrepreneurship phase, I end up saying like that quote of, the, the fastest way to find the correct path is just to run down one as quickly as you can. Mm. Like just start something and go down as quickly as you can. And then you'll figure out if it's good or bad. Yeah. Cause you can spend years in contemplation. Yeah. Yes. You know, like, and, and not only that, there's tons of horrible ideas that are great businesses. <laughs> it's so yeah. true. It's tons. so weird. There's so many bad ideas or just bad execution where it's like, how are these guys doing this? But it, yeah. that's when they, they run their business shops and there's tons of great ideas that are horrible businesses. Be like, so I, I think that if you don't want to ever lean on one too much or, or the other, it's, mm -hmm. it's like, how can you spread, I don't know, your creativity over business and and the the visionary part to make something that actually actually will work but yeah don't get hung up on anything because if you have a bad idea you can make it a good business yeah <laughs> it's just biz dev and relationships yes. and like all that kind of shit yeah you, know? you could be really good at finding the people who can execute on your dreams like yeah. if you have a good yeah. vision and you have you're a good um leader and a great manager then you can totally find other people that will build your thing find a really great engineer and a great designer and a great marketer a great salesperson and you've got yourself a business well, at least a company. The business is a totally different thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny how, you, you know, you just build a network of people that have all these skills and talents around you. And at the end of the day, you know, you can just have that skill of just finding good people. Yeah. And then you could do awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. a huge skill within itself, right? Yeah. 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 So I'm interested to hear about, like, you know, how you got into VR and, and wh where your business is now. I know I haven't really, we haven't really talked a lot about what, what you're currently doing. So yeah, give us sure. a little backstory. Yeah. So with VR, actually, I'll go way back. So... When I was about 12 years old, I want to say, I have this like very vivid uh, memory of me going to movie theaters and specifically the Ajax Cineplex Odeon in Ajax when I, where I grew up. And I remember sitting, I would go, first of all, I would go to this movie theater maybe twice a week, Tuesdays because there's half price and weekends just because there's something to do. Like I'm obsessed with movies. Mm. And I just had this vivid memory of me sitting there and thinking like, hey, this is awesome. I love watching movies on this big screen, but like, I want to know what it's like to be inside that movie. Like, what would it be like to actually be there? Like, you know, we're all sitting in these chairs watching, like, what if there's like some kind of device? Like, maybe I put on like a helmet, like, you know, those hair dryers you see at the salons, yeah. you're just sitting down. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, what if I put something like that on? And, you know, I look around, I feel like I'm in the body of the character. So whatever, I guess that thought kind of just started boiling in my mind. And 
when um, I would say 2013 rolled around, this is when the Oculus launched on Kickstarter. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This looks insane. And then I actually got to try it at a video game conference in Toronto um, that year. Um, a team, I guess, got, got a hold of it and they were able to develop a prototype. So at this conference, I remember seeing it. I'm like, holy shit, I've wanted to try this for so long. I put on the headset and I was mind blown. I'm like, this is the future. Like, this is insane. I can't believe it. I don't know if you guys have ever put on a headset, but the first time you do, it's magical. It's mind blowing. And this is the first developer kit that was super rough around the edges. Yeah. Didn't look great. But again, I had that forethought of like, hey, it looks like shit now, but like, just, just you wait. It's going right. to get really, really good. Um, and then I kind of was like, okay, video games are cool, but I'm like, now you can go inside a movie. I'm like, I don't want to just, you know, play games like what it would look like to watch movies in 360 degrees like you can shoot it surely you could mm -hmm. so right after that a uh, couple months went by and then the oculus dk2 was launched on the oculus site so now you can order the the next developer kit and i bought it right away so i got a hold of that and i'm like, okay great i'm gonna see what i can find online of like content was trying stuff out and then i was like okay i need to try this 360 degree video stuff like there's got to be a way to do it there's no cameras at the time, so I had to build my own. So what I did was I got a hold of six GoPros, and then I 3D printed a mount that would mathematically place the GoPros around in a cylinder so that it would line up and you'd be able to stitch together and you'd get a 360 image. So I did that, and I actually have like footage of me testing out where it was literally all duct taped together, and there's literally footage of after we hit play, the whole rig just falls over and <laughs> smashes the GoPros. So it was a big failure, and a lot of people would just stop, and I did. I actually did that project with two friends, and they were like, yeah, screw this. I don't want to do this. This is way too hard. I don't want to deal with it. But mm -hmm. I was like hung up. I'm like, no, I'm going to make this thing work. So then I finally did that. I started like just doing test shoots, and I was like shooting in 360. I'm like, hey, this is really, really cool. Um, I want to go further with this. So then this is when I was in my fourth year at Ryerson of the RTA School of Media uh, program. And for the fourth year, you get the entire year to basically do what's called a practicum, which is like a thesis project. And you, guess you get to pick a really big idea, uh, which most people just shoot like short films and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Some people would make apps and games. Um, but no one had done VR at Ryerson before. No one had done 360 degree video. I don't want to say no one's done VR because if Josh Maldonado is listening, he probably is going to send it to you, you bastard. <laughs> You're a year older than me. And he was the first person to introduce VR in Ryerson in like the history of media. Mm -hmm. And he did a game. It was a game. It was game development. So I was definitely the first person to do 360 video at Ryerson. And my idea was to do a VR short film. I'm like, hey, you can shoot in 360, but can, I, can you tell a story in 360? You know, people can look all the way around. How would you tell a story as a director? Like, what if someone starts looking behind them? Are you going to be able to tell the story? So we started developing concepts and ideas that would direct people in 360. And somehow I convinced uh, Marissa, who, who jumped on the project, and five other people to not just do one, but three VR short films. These are people who had no idea what VR was. Mm -hmm. They're like, they just jumped on, came on for the ride. So we did these movies, and they actually worked. I thought you know, the reason why we want to do three is because I knew we would fail during the first one. We would learn something from the second, and maybe the third one would be good. Turned out all three turned out pretty good. Oh, really? I'm really excited. Okay. With, I'm really excited about them. But the third one was nominated for a Canadian Screen no Award way. for Best Immersive Experience. Wow. So we got nominated for a Canadian Oscar. First cool. year creating any kind of VR content right out of school. So that was a huge launch pad for our career. Dude, that's and insane. Yeah. So what, what was the third movie about? 
So the third movie is a movie called Contravision, and it's sort of like a Black Mirror episode in VR, where you actually become the main characters in like a Black Mirror type episode, where you're uh, in the future and everyone has augmented reality glasses that's connected to an AI assistant, and it kind of plays. I don't really want to give anything away, but it kind of shows a darker side of that connection. I like that. Yeah. So what was your process like of figuring out? okay, we're going to do three movies. How do I figure out what they're going to be about? What makes sense? Yeah, that's a good question. So it was. It came down to this. It came down to, I didn't even think about the story first. I'm like, I just thought about scenarios. I'm like, what would be a really cool scenario? Mm-hmm. Like, again, it's just the idea. I always like the inception, the idea. And if that sounds cool, then you can make a cool story around it. And the first thing was just like, what, what would it be like to be part of a heist? Like, that's insane. Like, your blood must be Russian, one. right? Yeah, yeah. I watched that when you when I think we were, you were at, like, a conference or something, and I, I watched that one. Really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The pond. Yeah, yeah thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, it was... And I was like, what would it be like to be the getaway driver? And I love the movie Drive. And there's a scene where you're kind of like you're with Ryan Gosling when he's like in the getaway vehicle and your heart's just pumping. I'm like, what would it be like to actually be there? So that was kind of the idea. And then the second one was just a straight up psychological thriller. I'm like, what would it be like to be a guy who's going crazy? Let's write a story around that. So then mm-hmm. I worked with a writer and we crafted to see these really cool stories around these ideas. Hmm. So I really like starting with the ideas. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the obstacles that you ran into that you might have not been expecting? Oh, man, so many. So a lot of them were technical, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the other ones, I would say, this is our first time, well, my first time working with a larger crew and cast and stuff. So this and this was also the first time where I did I delegated a lot and I let everyone kind of do their thing. Um so it was kind of hard managing a team. That I would say is the biggest obstacle for me personally. Again, like I'll just be completely blatant here. Like we had an art director that just shit the bed sometimes. Like we Mm. came, you know, we're like, Hey, you need to bring these objects on set. And they didn't come with them. Like, well, how the fuck are we going to shoot this? We don't have his glasses, like random things like that. So you have to trust people. That was Mm. sort of, so again, people management. People management is hard, but again, that wasn't so much my job as director, but you still have to direct people. So it's not just the cast and crew. Um, but it's all the people. And I guess if people are really interested in the challenges of 360 video, um, and this is the one thing that keeps coming up, is like, think about when you're shooting a regular movie, you can hide behind a camera. You can have a whole crew right behind the camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happens if it's 360 degree and people can look all the way around? You can't just see a crew randomly in the room. You want to feel like the only people in that room are those actors. So we had a unique challenge of like live streaming um, that, that camera remotely to like a tablet in another room. So our whole crew would have to be in a separate room, hidden in a van, hidden wherever. And we'd all have to kind of like remotely direct the scene. It was really wild. I would think it would be hard for the actors too. Like, was it their first time doing 360 video? Yeah. Oh yeah. They said it was weird because the, this is the feedback we got from them, uh, which was usually in film, you're told not to look in the camera, but we told them look in the camera as if you're staring into someone's eyes. Cause when you put on the headset and you're looking at the camera, that's the person looking at them. So Mm -hmm. I said, don't think of this as a camera. This is a person. Think of your audience is right here. It's this little camera here. So they're like, yeah, that was weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's interesting. I feel like when you're saying too about like the art director that shit the bed as like a as a note, these are people you can't fire either, right? Because you're you're doing practicum with them. Yeah, like you can't. You're doing a school project. Like yep. It's not like you can just be like, hey, you're fired and bring someone else in. Like you're 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 stuck. And I feel like that can also affect like the morale of the rest of the production. I assume. Totally, right? like totally. But yeah. And you're how old at this time? I was twenty two, twenty three. Pretty young to be managing a, a bunch of people too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, oh yeah. <laughs> so many challenges I can think of coming up. <laughs> so there, many it's challenges. Crazy, but again, I'm glad crazy I, venture. Yeah, I'm glad I did it early on because I feel like uh, I learned so much from that. Especially like it's totally different where like you're on different locations. You have to shoot things like really quickly where time is money. Where mm-hmm. like literally you're burning cash like by the second with like actors and like the locations and all that stuff. So like that did teach me to like you have to just go you have to go next you just have to like the next moment's coming the next moment's coming put everything behind you and just keep moving forward so you bring that into like business because right right now we're not in production mode so we haven't really shot any original content in a while we recently did some like client work um mm-hmm. 360 video but now we're really focused on like product and th- again what we've been talking about is totally different mindset of like creating a system and creating like a product than like creating content you know it's totally different right. mindset but being able to do both um, definitely uh, strengthens both sides of the brain, left and right brain, yeah. for sure. So where did things go after after these films that you produced? So, okay, this was the biggest challenge, actually. The biggest challenge and what actually sparked the idea for the company and what we do now is that showing people VR and, sh- and screening VR is a fucking nightmare. Mm. Um, it's not like you go into a movie theater and there's one um, projector system that everyone sits down in a, in a chair and they watch the same thing. Um, each person basically has their own TV set strapped to their face when they come in, right? You have to make sure the headsets are all charged, that they're all being cleaned on time, and then how do you make sure everyone watches the content that they're supposed to be seeing? Not to mention, most of these people have never put a VR headset on in their life, so they don't (laughs) know what they're doing. Like, imagine giving grandma an iPhone for the first time. She doesn't know what the hell she's doing. So we had to, like, develop these tools that would basically strip away all of the user interface so they just put on the headset and it just works. So then we wanted to also show our movies in a cinema setting. Like, what would it look like? Again, that dream that I had when I was 12, when we're all sitting down in the cinema watching the same movie, but immersively. So we built this tool that it's, it connects all the headsets to a iPad remote. And from the iPad remote, an operator can select all the headsets and control them all. And they can all watch the same movie together, or they can each watch separate movies, but it's controlled by the operator. Okay. And uh, can these people see each other watching the movie or is it just them and all the actors in the scene? Yeah. So right now, no, um, they don't see each other. You only see each other before you put the heads on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we actually are working on a feature where in our waiting room, you can see each other. So okay. you put on the headset yeah. and you can see all your friends around. You can talk to each other. And we're playing around with the idea of like these pre-show games, like, you know, time play at oh, Cineplex, that's but cool in idea. VR. Yeah. Um, and then once the movie starts, it kind of, everyone kind of like uh, mm. fades away and then you get engrossed into the film. And we're even thinking maybe um, another feature is you could watch those movies together where like you see the 360 video and then we'd take a little avatars of us in the room in the center of the space. But we're still playing around with that. I still like the idea that a movie is like this like singular experience. Um, yeah, I think yeah. it's cool. just a totally different thing. I mean, it's really cool that you're pioneering the solution to all of these problems. Are there other companies and people that are kind of trying to solve these similar issues or are you kind of out there on your own right now no there are a few that i would say there's a couple but it's like like a handful it's not like there's dozens like there are in other industries i would say there's like maybe one or two in north america maybe three that i haven't heard of and then like maybe a handful in europe Mm -hmm. uh and then one notable chinese company called veer but that's about it and and veer is mainly doing um like online distribution like a youtube for vr which youtube you could just do that. Yeah, right. But uh, they're different. Like, I mean, it's a very curated thing. Mm. So I think what we're doing is is a little bit different. Um, we're just trying to solve a couple challenges, mainly working with film festivals right now. Um, like we're not going to go out and create full movie theaters. Like we're not going to create the next like Cineplex right now. Just like the market isn't there, and like we're not naive in that sense. Mm. 
So we're figuring out, okay, well, where are people seeing the next new greatest thing? Well, it's film festivals every year, right? You get like a week or a weekend to like see the coolest films and and art exhibits usually at these festivals. So, you know, we thought let's add VR into the mix. Let's work with them and be like, hey, film festivals, we will be that entire company to like run this entire solution for you. You have to worry about anything. Don't worry about the technology. You just worry about putting the call out to VR creators. You get them to submit the content and we'll handle the rest. Mm. You're good to go. And you can now show VR at your film festivals. Wow. Mm. So, so what's the reaction been like from the people seeing these VR films for the first time? Oh, this is the best. That's so... And Marissa and I always talk about like, fuck, like, why are we doing this? Like there's, you know, there's always nights and like days where you're like, man, like this is a grind. This is hard. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, but then we always think back like to like photos and videos of us, like showing people VR for the first time. As soon as they put that headset on, they realize they can look all the way around. You see the biggest smile on their face (laughs) and you're just like, okay, that's like fulfillment right there. Like you just like, it's almost like, uh, like they're on like a drug trip or something Like you can mm. give them like this sort of trip that is completely safe and it's not going to alter their mind sort of. Um, I mean, it does like all medium alters their mind, but you can like immerse people and put them in such a crazy experience that they would never be able to experience in their reality ever. So it's mm-hmm. nuts. Pretty crazy. Cool. Yeah. What would you, what do you think? So obviously you kind of, I wouldn't say you fell into VR, but it was like a, I feel like it was like you did, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you did this big project and then after school, you're like, well, I might as well just keep doing this big project that I had fun with. If you didn't find, is there, is there anyone, like, I feel like everyone has that one thing. They're like, if I wasn't doing this, is like the thing in the back of your head. What, what do you think you would be doing if you weren't doing VR? Like let's say VR didn't even become a thing as a technology. Honestly, right now, like in my current situation, probably web developer or something like that. Again, cool. we talked about uh, Webflow and I'm building a lot of our tools and technologies in Webflow. I love it. I love UX design. I love product design. So I think some kind of like web or app design for sure. But I think even on top of that, I'll even backtrack a little bit before going to Ryerson. I actually went to UOIT, which I think it's, they changed the name recently. It's like Universe, uh, Ontario abbreviation. <laughs> UOIT, Ontario, <laughs> University of, Ont- of Ontario Institute of Technology. So I think mm-hmm. they recently changed it to Ontario Tech College, something like that. But it's like basically the MIT of like Ontario mm-hmm. out in Oshawa. So I went there for video game development. So I did like two years of a like hardcore programming there dropped out because I was not really into the hardcore programming, but I loved video games and, and stuff like that. So then when I went to Ryerson, I was doing, I went to Ryerson thinking I was going to do audio production, actually, you know, mm-hmm. back to uh, the roots. Exactly. Cause I, yeah. what I did at, at school there, as I made all the music for all these other teams that were making games, but like, yeah, I'll make the music for it. And I was doing all the audio for it and, and stuff like that. So then going to Ryerson, it, it made sense where I was doing audio, but you're, you're also put into like film, um, film classes, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really interested in like film production, TV, and like video games. So I'm like, I was like kind of juggling these things. I'm like, I like TV, but I also like this interactivity of like games. And then like VR literally is all of these, thi- all these things together. It's like video games and movies and games. And I do the audio. And it's like, it's just everything that I love all in one. And on top of that, running the business of it. So it's just like the perfect like mix of just mm. everything I love. But I think if I wasn't doing that, I would probably be doing like web or UI, mm. but I would secretly wish that I was still in a band doing <laughs> music. Okay. But it's a hard, that's a hard life, you know, oh, especially indie music. Oh, that's a hard, yeah, unless no. you're making it, that's a hard life. It'd be know, man, you, can, you can make a VR experience where you're on stage and just craft like 5,000 <laughs> yeah. people in the audience <laughs> and live it every VR. night before bed. Rock <laughs> VR. I'm a rock star. I have always said if I could do anything, like honestly, if I could do anything, it would be like go back to the 80s and be a rock star. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. The 80s yeah. Because like 
I the scenario always plays out in my head where it's like you could go like I you could go and essentially command people as like a god. Yeah, like pretty you, much. The closest contr- thing that we have it's to the a closest god. thing yeah. is as to being a god is to being a rock star. But why in the eighties? Have you not seen like no, Jared Leto? Because I because so because I want <laughs> I want to Leto. be able to just I want to be able to just show up at a bar after oh. and fucking make everybody's day party and no one else shows up. True. Hmm. Oh, because social media and stuff right. nowadays. Like, in the 80s, you finish a show and you'd be like, okay, where are we going to go tonight? And you guys could go to a club or a bar and blow the place up, give these people the best experience they've ever had in their life, and it doesn't get ruined. Like, obviously, I feel like there'd be stuff like people would, I don't know, call someone on a payphone, something like that, but it wouldn't spread as quick, and, I, and there wouldn't be a camera in your face all the time, and even the cameras that would be in your face would be these beautiful black and white photos that people hang in their walls later. It's so true. It, it would be, you'd be creating these crazy experiences that, like, people would look back at for the rest of their lives, like remember that time when we went out that night and then X person showed up and we just partied with them. And like, I'm not a big partier, but like, I feel like that would be do that for a year. It would be like what I would, if you give me like a wish, you'd be, I'd be high on my list of That's things. Awesome. There's a high do. death rate with being an eighties rock star. Like the <laughs> chances of you making it out of that aren't that high. It's very slim. Maybe, true. maybe that turns you on. Maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. On. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I forgot, if I got the, if I got this like wish pill, Right, it's yeah. like you got a year to do whatever you want. If I die, I'm, I'm just getting sucked back out into the into the real. Okay, but you added a whole other <laughs> variable. You're like now going back in time and then choosing like what you could do in a different time period. Yeah, yeah, that's a big question. But you raise a bigger question, man. That like celebrity, like modern day celebrity, sucks. It fucking would blow. It I don't sucks. like you, you. Okay, yeah, you're rich and you have. I don't. I, I don't. I would, if it, I don't know. I think that's a the interesting question that I think comes up often. Is like, would you rather be rich and famous? Or rich and no one knows who the fuck you are. Like I, I think I always go toward and or famous and poor. Wait, what is that? The, is that the question? The is question is that I don't know. Oh. Understand why anybody <laughs> would want to be famous and poor. I don't even. I don't even attain. Like I don't. I don't see the value in that I feel at like all. Like the richest people are actually not celebrity. Like, they're, they're not. Like, they're like no, behind they're the scenes. No, they're like behind the, the scenes. real. Everybody thinks you know? they're the celebrities though. Like pe- yeah. people who don't really understand business and money. They're like, oh yeah, Oprah Winfrey's the richest person in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's, no, like <laughs> someone pays Oprah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. like mega yachts you see. Yeah. You're like, mm. yeah. Seen a lot of people. No one like, knows his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the big A yachts and the big yeah. A one. I don't yeah. know if you guys have seen that one. It's freaking massive. Yeah, there's this yacht just called the I think it's just called A. It's hmm. just called the A yacht. And it's just massive. Um I'm looking Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people that are big and rich that are kind of make you can see them making decisions to start to have an impact. Right. Uh, like I would say like Ed Milet. Do you ever listen to Ed Milet? Oh yeah. I love like, his podcast. That's, that seems yeah. like a guy that kind of made a conscious decision of going to somebody who's rich and relatively not known mm-hmm. to being like, okay, I want to make an impact now. And it just goes from zero to a hundred really quick where all of a sudden like he's, he's a pillar of like personal right. development as yeah. it is right now. I mean, like, even I would say there are people like Grant Cardone out there. He taught, I only bring this up cause I went to a conference where he was speaking and he was, it was called influence TO and he was talking about influence. He, and he has like this, like almost like, a viral loop in his life where he likes to create money to create impact that creates more or actually creates influence because you have more money you can influence more and with that influence you can make more money and with that more money you can create mm. more influence so he wants to influence but it, ma- it just depends on what you want to influence right yeah, there's, there's t- I mean there's there's definitely a value to influence you know like 100% yeah. like I, I think there and it is there so I, I think as a business tool I think it's a it's a good idea but I think if you were to give me you know the complete power to do anything it's like I want to be able to go for dinner with my family and go yeah. out for dinner with my family if I, you know, like if I were to, if you give me the, you can have, a, you can be just as rich 
with yeah. not as much influence or something. I, I think I would always go for like a little bit of yeah. privacy. Or you can have influence, but not like the celebrity. Just celebrity. Yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's I, I think influence is powerful, and I think I would always. I think I actually want it. Yeah, you're right. It's a celebrity yeah. that I don't want. This is what blows my mind. Like you can go anywhere in the world. Okay, this is the best example actually. So my friends uh, went on a trip to Japan, and they were in Osaka. And they just happened to be in Osaka, and they were like, oh, let's check out this place for, for dinner. And they go in, like, holy shit, is that Harry Styles? So you, someone like Harry Styles can't go anywhere in the world where he will not be recognized, right? Or like Justin Bieber. Like, they just mm-hmm. will not. So it's the fact that they just were in a random place on the opposite side of this world, and they saw someone they recognized, and the person that recognized Harry Styles was not from that original country is insane. Hmm. That is insane. Yeah. So, so who would be, if you, if you could... Have a conversation with one celebrity. Who who would be your pick? Of just running into them on the street and be like, "Hey, you want to yeah, like grab a cup of coffee?" Almost straight like, celebrity. Almost yeah. like almost like you don't. Almost like you don't. I feel like celebrities like you like someone just because you like them, not for anything specific. You know, like you might like their music or something, but I think that, like if you have a business, uh, someone that you look up to in business, you like them for business. But yeah. like, I feel like celebrity is a little bit lighter. It's just you you get uh, it's like a starstruck feeling. Like what would be the one person you'd be like, oh, yeah, that would I yeah. be starstruck or I'd want to like talk to starstruck? Where you'd be like, so, where I'd be starstruck? Yeah. Oh, um, that's really hard. I'm gonna say the one person, one celebrity I'd want to like talk to is Joe Rogan. Dude, oh, like, yeah, dude yeah, I, yeah, I feel yeah, like that's yeah. all three of us. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't get starstruck at all. I don't know if, if I do. If Joe Rogan was in a restaurant, I would, I'd be like, oh my, like I would be, I wouldn't know what to do. Like, yeah. I don't yeah, know if I get weird. starstruck. So like, actually, last weekend, me and Marissa won tickets to have like this like fan experience with Arkells, which are not even like a huge band. I Do you saw guys that know them? Cool. Yeah. 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 yeah, they're an yeah. awesome band. One of my favorite bands. But Marissa got so starstruck. <laughs> like, I feel like I was talking to the whole band, whatever, and then like we're getting photos with them and then Max, the singer, is like, asked him, go, oh, so what do you guys do? And Marissa's like, oh yeah, we're working full time. I'm like, Marissa, stop lying to him. No, you don't. You fucking started a business. It's <laughs> like, I don't know. I froze. I almost told him I was in school. <laughs> That's so, so she's like, yeah, I'm like, you screwed it. I'm like, hey, yeah, hopefully he doesn't remember you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so hard to tell what you'd be like in those situations. Oh, for it's, sure. You're right. I, I don't know. I don't know if there'd be someone I'd be starstruck. I, but it would probably happen. I'd be like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever Joe ran into a celebrity or like somebody you everybody knew and also you didn't? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah? Th- th- there was one time at TIFF. Um, what's his name? He has a brother. Fuck. This is, I, I don't know celebrities at all. Um, what's his is, name? Is that like a movie star? He's a movie. Actor? He's a movie star actor. actor. Has a brother. He does lots of work with Jonah Hill. Oh, Ben Affleck. Oh no 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 no. 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 Um, uh, Frank Frank Franco James Fra- Franco James Franco, James Franco. Oh, James yeah. Franco. so I, I, had, I was I'm really bad with celebrities yeah so like <laughs> we had we had went somewhere and then we had seen James Franco and I was like all these people are going crazy I'm like this is weird and all these like literally like, cause, like someone's like hey go to this red carpet to see James Franco I'm like okay I got nothing to do and we go and then I'm, I'm all these people are jumping up taking photos and I'm just standing there because I'm like I just it was a weird thing where I'm like I don't get this because like I also I had never at that point I had never been to a concert or anything so like there was this weird thing where I had never put myself into situations other than like sporting events or something where there was anybody I just didn't understand it. it was weird I was like I was like what the fuck are these people doing like he's just walking like it was like he's not <laughs> even performing he's just there and I, I didn't understand it and then Later that day, I was working at a Starbucks after the after the premiere, and he went in, ordered a coffee. No way! And it was this weird thing, and it's 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 stuck with me ever since. Is that so? Like, and I didn't go up to him because I'm like, I have nothing to say to this guy. I have no yeah. value to give him. Yeah. What am I going to say? I know who you are. Like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Right? What's your you name never, again? I know you, you though. Would, if you never do that in normal life, right? Exactly. If you just if you like, oh, like a security you, a security guard, you had yeah. seen, be like, oh, I know you from being a security guard. So I, <laughs> I had no desire to do that. And it was this weird thing where I'm like, okay, all these people that were around me before would have died 
to like be in a Starbucks and watch him get a coffee. And yeah. like I, so it was this weird thing where it transformed. I'm like, I made a rule for myself. It's like you just never fan, you never fangirl be, or, 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 or go any, because then you, I feel like the universe doesn't put you in these situations. Yes. You know, yeah. because who does, who does James Franco surround himself with? Nobody that would be jumping up and, and celebrating, right? Yeah. And so if he is like attracting people around him, it's not going to be the people that are jumping up and celebrating who he is. It should be like, oh, he's a guy. And so it's, it was yes. this weird. It was this weird realization. Where I'm like, okay, not that I really want to, not that I want to surround myself with celebrities, but it wouldn't be the worst thing. And so I felt like this little, uh, I don't know, piece of anecdotal evidence for myself was that okay, treat them like people, and then there's more chance of you becoming closer with them they'll yeah. give you more respect because you're you not like on this weird like pedestal more above respect you. and the yeah. universe will just give you more situations where yes. you can be with that person as a human yeah right like if you ever if you always look at this person as 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 more than you are you'll never be able, the universe will never put you on the same level as them and therefore you'll never be able to work with them or yep. connecting with them as a person and so i kind of created a rule for myself but the one person that i feel like i could i would break the rule for be joe rogan and i don't know like i i i, I don't know what i would do because I feel like he's influenced my life so much. Yeah. It's almost mm-hmm. like I don't know how to, rep- almost this weird thing, like how do I repay you kind of thing. You yeah. know, you've given me so much for literally zero dollars. I've never given Joe Rogan a penny, but he's given me like so much. And I think that's that weird, uh, it's a weird discrepancy in like value. It's like, okay, you've <coughs> given me so much and I'm, and I'm just who I am. And it, it yeah, mm-hmm. I think that would be the one that would like throw me for a whirl. Sounds like you're setting yourself up for the perfect romantic comedy. You know, I feel yeah. like that, that, there's so many romantic comedies out there. The celebrity like getting into the coffee shop, shedding all the, you know, the paparazzi and they sit down beside someone who doesn't know who they are. You know, like, <laughs> it's so <laughs> refreshing. <laughs> <Zach>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly Thanks, Emma up. Stone. <laughs> so what's, okay. What's your celebrity crush? Celebrity crush? Yeah. Oof. Who would be the one person that you'd try to maintain it so that you could really just have a connection with and live happy, happily ever after? Mm. That's a tough one. Tough one? Is it going to be like a like a romantic relationship eventually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I got to say Jessica Alba, man. I feel like it's such a mainstream answer, but she's got so much going on, man. Okay. You know, just the look. And then she also has the Honest Company, so she's kind of entrepreneurial, oh, yeah. you know? She's not just a face. I, th- I gotta say that's it, remember that what was that movie where she's all like klutzy and everything good luck chuck yes yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we all yeah, knew that, it that good one, yeah. yeah and she's all klutzy and everything and she's you know oh, so yeah. cute in that movie <laughs> gotta go jessica alba <laughs> what's yours uh i don't even fuck because like if it was like sh- that's hard there's just there's so many there's so many and there's so there's many so mainstream many. answers yeah, you don't, don't want to say you don't, don't want to say mainstream answer yeah like there's de- definitely i mean off of looks it'd be like people like I don't know, like Mila Kunis and yeah, and, yeah. and just like those people that are just like very interesting looking and different than the average person, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Um, but Emma I feel Watson like Watson could be a good one. Emma too. Watson would be a good yeah. one. She's got yeah. some depth to her. Yeah. So here's, so here's something interesting. So my parents are both flight attendants. So they, they kind of run into a lot of famous people on the plane and, and stuff. And they'll, they'll text me and be like, guess who I ran into on the plane? And it's like, oh my God, no way. And then it's like, what do you say to them? And it's like, oh, chicken or fish? <laughs> 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 you know, but they run into a ton of famous people. And so my dad told me this story. He does a lot of Londons. Um, so he was, he was in London and he was talking to a flight attendant there and she said, so I was sitting down at this coffee shop and I had this great conversation with this gentleman there. And then at the end of it, he got up and bought me a coffee and I was like, wow, that's so nice of him. And then when she went up to talk to the, the cashier afterwards, he's like, oh, you know, the gentleman you're sitting with bought your coffee for you. And she's like, oh, that's so nice of him. She's like, do you know who that is? She's like, no. And she's like, that's, that's 007. That's Daniel Craig. And oh so she had God. coffee with Daniel Craig and then he, and then he bought it for her and left and she didn't even know. That's, that's insane. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, apparently being a flight attendant, you get a lot of celebrity mm. run-ins, which makes sense. I think yeah, a totally plane yeah. is, it's, a, yeah. it's like a small canister where you run into a lot of people and all the, ce- most celebrities take traveling a, a commercial. A yeah. It's most flight. commercial for uh, business class, yeah. first class, yeah. whatever. It's not all private. Right. I saw um, one of the Dragon's Den uh, dragons on a flight. Mm. Uh, Jim, Jim, the, the Boston pizza guy. Oh, okay. Him. I actually worked for a dragon. Did you? Yeah. Who I worked at that? a VC firm, uh, uh, Joe Memoran. Which one's Joe? Uh, I thought you guys would know this. Come on, uh, brown hair guy. No, he's a white slick oh, back totally, hair. Totally glasses. Oh thick. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's a founder of Joe Fresh, right? And Club okay. Monaco and all that stuff. So what'd you so do for him? him? Again, those are, that was another thing where is he's like the celebrity, right? Like he was he's a celebrity entrepreneur in Canada for sure. And uh, I had this like this is like one of my first jobs I did out of school in between like starting my business where I was like kind of running this business and I'm like I still want to do some like design work and I needed money and want to pay student loans off so I worked for this VC firm for a bit and I was a des- in-house designer but because the firm was so small it was like the two partners and then they had like three employees I was invited to every single meeting every single like team meeting and every time uh, an entrepreneur would come in and pitch so I had this crazy like six months where I came in and saw VC pitches like every single day and I was just flying the wall writing notes writing notes and I was able to just kind of watch this it was like the best um, reality show you could possibly get was there anything was there any consistencies I mean were you able to see which wait which projects got funded by the VC firms no it was a weird stage because they're in like this growth stage where they were finishing up a portfolio so this is at the time actually when uh, Spotify was going public and Spotify was one of their portfolio companies so they're getting a nice Mm. cash out but this is also the time when they were shifting between um, uh, tech companies which is one of the reasons I want to work with them like hey this is really cool and now they're shifting to consumer uh, focused products, which I think you guys would really be interested mm-hmm. in. Um, they had um, a lot of omni-channel. So basically what they want to do now, their new portfolio is turning consumer brands into omni-channel opportunities. You know, companies that would just be selling on Instagram or just like at um, at the Bay. Now they want to turn them omni-channel. The, mm-hmm. their, their theory for this portfolio was, you know, just be everywhere that the consumer is and you have a better chance of making the sale, right? Mm-hmm. And, like and focusing that on. So I got really obsessed with the, like, this is omni-channel. I'm like, well, this is like really cool. It kind of makes sense, right? Like if they should be able to buy from you wherever you are, if they're on Messenger, there should be a way to do it because all of these platforms uh, allow some kind of like transfer um, of data either between uh, an actual transaction or at least a link that would go out somewhere. So it kind of made sense. But um, it was really interesting to see the pitches that were coming in when they were like these omni-channel consumer brands. Um, I'm trying to think what I saw that like really sparked interest for me. Uh, nothing notable to be completely mm-hmm. honest. They're mm-hmm. smaller Canadian companies. Um, Do you remember what they were looking for in these brands to, to find promise? <sighs> it's a whole host of things. I mean, sometimes it wasn't even clear to me because they're just on a whole other level where they're thinking like holistically from a business standpoint and mm-hmm. how that connects to like, you know their other companies and like their companies what partners resources, they, what have. resources yeah. they have like you can almost like these guys could see the matrix you know mm-hmm. like they mm-hmm. they knew how this little puzzle piece fits into the fabric of like that's the interesting the reality that's so like next level business that's, that's like next level business because like yeah. it's sure you're a consumer business but how does that uh, connect with everything else in the world you yeah. know mm-hmm. like it definitely does in some sense because everything's connected that's what you were saying about like kind of what we do is we, it's so small compared to like the grand scheme of things. But we were saying like the one thing 
that when you get to a point when you have infrastructure you can leverage to start or accelerate other businesses is when you're growing at a rate that no one can like mm-hmm. catch you from zero if that makes sense yeah for example like uh, we, we had a brand that we leveraged we had, we had built infrastructure in a certain product category and des- and decided to spin off and, and create and we're in the process of creating a separate brand that is only this specific product category and it's like okay well we've got because and now we've got like shipping fulfillment production of this one product this one type of product um, so ironed out that we can move so quickly and deliver an amazing customer experience uh, from like day one. Whereas anybody trying it now would be like trying to catch up if that makes sense, yeah. you know? And I think that's an interesting mm-hmm. way about even uh, from business and also just things in your life. Like how can you le- start leveraging everything in your life towards a different goal, you know? Like yeah. in your in your fitness even, like if you if you know how to do this, how can you leverage what you've learned or your, or your body in this to then accelerate in a different pursuit or yes. a different sport or yeah. something? There's so many things that I, th- I think as a, as a as an idea on how you should how you should execute you know looking for leverage at any way or how you can build leverage for the future is an interesting thing yeah leverage is a game changer right so um you know again everything that we're doing now we're leveraging other things you can build the core technology like you can build a bike from scratch or you can go buy one right like so you can build like the very core principles from like a coding perspective of like hard coding or you can use shopify like you can build your own store or you can use shopify (laughs) doesn't cost that much and it's getting you from zero to one so quick Mm -hmm. but you had a really good uh, good point there how you guys are spinning off into like one specific thing you're doing that really 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 well um i think more people need to do that a lot of people try to do like everything it's like you should try to like laser focus right? right um I'm just trying to think of a really good example of that. I was listening to a podcast. I feel like that's something morning. you're really good at. Kind like whenever, of. whenever I had seen, like, whenever you're doing stuff, because like, every whenever we would we would meet up and talk, I felt like you were always working on this like, uh, on this one like path, and I was always like jealous of it because I think one of my biggest kind of Achilles heels is that I'm so sporadic with what I like to do, and I feel like that's it's been it's like held me backwards. I feel like you. You, you've just kind of like went all in on VR. Yeah. And obviously you, you've moved inside of that, but I think that's been like so valuable to like accelerating you to a point where you are now. And it's something I, I definitely like respect you for because you're just ability to like stay focused on that thing where I think, again, one of my things with it's, 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 it's beneficial for me because I've kind of been able to go very, very wide and learn yeah. so much. And now I've, I can like, again, now leverage from different areas, but I don't think I've ever went so deep into something that like I understand it to a level where I think you're now looking at VR um, from a, uh, visionary's point of view because you've immersed yourself in it, you know, I think that's yeah. super interesting. Awesome. As I a, as appreciate like a, as that. Like a way. As, and as a, as a piece of advice, I think it'd be, it's a great piece of advice, not something that I think I can take, but <laughs> I think it's, it's a good, yeah. a solid piece. Of yeah. Advice. I mean, focus is a huge thing. Like laser focus is like, it's like a, definitely a superpower, right? It's like Superman's uh, yeah. laser, laser vision. Um, one thing that helped me with that, I can send this to you. I think I have before Sam Ovens, his training. I don't know if, I've, mm-hmm. if you've come across him on the interwebs. He has a website called, called consulting.com. Obviously not affiliated, giving him free ads. Here you go, Sam. <laughs> it's really good. And like I'm, I really love um, some of the stuff he teaches. And he has a free video on YouTube called like Laser Focus, if you search it, whatever. But you can imagine like you are at the center, like you have like a circle and that's like your energy level. And you can put out your energy like 1% into 100 different directions and you only get like an inch far on all these different things. But if you take all of that energy and you put it into like one thing, you're going to go, you know, 100% on that one thing. You're going to get really far. Mm-hmm. So I think like, early on it's actually great to go wide to start learning about all these different things you know because you have to learn about sales and marketing and production and um, 
UX design, all these different things that just kind of like interest you. And I think you should do that anyways. But when it comes to like your goals and stuff, I think it's like, it definitely is worthwhile to like, just, you know what? I'm not going to have shiny object syndrome. I'm just going to like put the horse blinders on and just go full steam ahead. If it fails, it fails. Like screw it. I'm just going to mm-hmm. go all in. Cause you have to like, you know, burn the boats. Uh, that's the biggest thing, you know, you got it to take the island, burn the boats. Yeah. Now we, all we your love men, that yeah. saying. Yeah. We, we use that like awesome often quote. and yeah. we've used that in a, in a recent business where it's like, yeah, yeah. you're just going to fucking burn the boats on this one. Yeah. You, and sometimes you just have to, sometimes it, it hurts at the beginning, but it's like ripping off a bandaid and you just do it and you're like, Hey, yeah. whatever. And then, you know, you still have time. Like you can always like on your free time, like read about other things, listen to podcasts. Like I still listen to hardcore music. I still play drums on my free time. Like after I'm done for the day, I will, I have an electric drum kit in my apartment. I'll put on my headphones, plug it in and I'll play music and I'll play drums, play guitar and I'll still do that. Maybe I don't want to become a professional musician so much, but at least I have the skills to do it. If like something, if I wanted to, Mm -hmm. or like I'm at a party and it's like, Hey, jump on the drums. Like you can still have all these things like, Whoa, I didn't know you could play the drums too. Like, you know, like you can still do those things, but like you have to have that one thing and everything else can be like, you can still do it. But like, for that thing that you want to be known for like you can't no one's really known for like all these crazy different things Mm -hmm. not so much there's not do you guys know anybody that's like known for like a million different things like they do so much i mean if you look at someone like elon musk they've definitely it's all in technology and innovation but he's doing but still laser focus right still technology innovation for sure yeah yeah. i mean he's definitely doing like tons of of like different things in like different lanes but i I wouldn't say that anybody should relate themselves to someone like elon musk or like yeah create their daily day practices like him uh, <laughs> yeah it's not really sustainable <laughs> i had I listened, to this, I listened to this uh interview with johnny i like the head of design at apple oh, actually former yeah. yeah former head of design at apple aluminium yeah aluminium <laughs> aluminium <laughs> yeah and uh and he had said that there there it was after like steve's death and they, they had said like what was the biggest thing that you had learned from steve and it was like it was focus and he said that steve had come up to him early on in his career and he said hey like like, are you focused right now? And Johnny's like, yeah, like I'm, I'm only, I'm only doing Apple stuff right now. Cause Johnny, I think was one of those people that was always like taking on projects, really cool design. Pro- I mean, any designer I feel like would be yeah. in that, in that boat. And uh, the way that Steve jobs had framed it was that he had said, not, he's, he's not like, what are you work Like not only are you working on one thing. He was kind of like, he was like to Johnny, he said, um, what have you said no to that you really, really wanted to do lately? And key, key. And, that, and Johnny's like nothing. And it was at that point when he said, "Okay, well, you're not really focused until you're like, just as you need sacrifice in every part part of your life to like really accelerate, you need to sacrifice things you want to do um, to then." And it, it's an, it was an interesting thing that I was like, when I had heard it, I was just like, fuck. <laughs> because I say yeah. yes to absolutely fucking everything. Um, we even say yes to things we don't want to do. Don't, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, the, yeah. that's the hard That's part. the worst thing you can do, man. Yeah. I think there's benefit, like coming back to what you're saying about like just, you know, feeling widespread amongst a lot of things. The, the quote that comes to mind is that Steve Jobs commencement speech where he goes, um, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Mm. And I feel like that that's kind of like a, a good quote to keep in mind when you feel like you're widespread. It's like, it's really hard to think, where is this going right now? But then looking back, you're like, I mean, and, and I was thinking you of you as an example, it's like now in e-commerce space, it's like, well, all these skills of animation and creating media yeah, is working sure. so well for some of the companies that we're doing right now. Right. And it would have been really hard for you to say, oh, I'm really diving into animation now for the products that I'm going to be building a year <laughs> from now. That's super yeah. interesting. Yeah. Cause I, and when you think about like how quickly we can move on some certain things because I've been able to go wide, it's like, you know, yesterday we were building like a new little animated logo for like one of the new brands. And then the next point I was like developing inside of, so- in, inside of doing, using HTML and CSS and like, 
there is some, I think there is some definite uh, efficiencies in it. Right. Yep. Um, but is there also inefficiencies? Could you leverage, let's go full circle, mm-hmm. guys. Could you leverage assistants and people that Absolutely. do each of those jobs? So it's like, hey, instead of like, this is the way I think of it. And it's going to be hard to try to explain this in words. It's like, you're, you're pulling literally levers. So instead of, that's what leverage is, right? So instead of like, I'm going to go design this logo and do all the animation, do HTML, CSS. That's you going like a little bit, little bit, this, that, little tweak, whatever. And it takes you so many, like how many levers? How many times right, are you right. moving? What are the movement points? What are those things that you have to connect in your mind? Whereas leverage, like, hey, you, I want design. Zzz, done. Yeah, like, right. you know, I, you come I feel back. like I feel like it's a, it's a mix between, I think it gets to a point where, okay, now the business is doing like X amount of yeah, dollars re- per month. Yeah, resource. Re- yeah. Right? And, and, but it's like at the beginning, it's like if you, can, if you can do it in a in, in a week, whereas like if you had to leverage people, you weren't going to do it for a month. And yes. Then, you know, if, it, if, it's, if it's affecting speed to market, then I feel like you should be going in on yourself because then you're le- like, at that point, you're leveraging your efficiency yeah. to then whatever. But I think there's a point, right? It's like once the business at a certain point, then you should start looking at delegating and, and spreading wide so that now you can take what you're good at which is if it's speed and yes. if it's doing something that if that's your power you need to free that up so you can delegate it to a new project and i think or and everybody's absolutely different right no that's a great way to um, think about it i mean if i look at like i think that's my main pow- power if i have like an entrepreneur superpower it's like i can move really really quickly and do and produce and create very very quickly and then i'm also re- but i'm also really bad at uh delegating and you know that's my achilles heel right? yeah so everyone like, has like a power everyone has, again. yeah and then a, yeah. a very equal uh a very equal i don't know what would you, what would you call the opposite of power uh, a weakness a weakness. yeah weakness. <laughs> yeah power weakness yeah no, I, I like I know you, think you didn't want to say weakness what's your greatest weakness i i, I care too much <laughs> 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 yeah, I like the idea of being able to know something well enough to hire hire good people. Yes, you yeah. know yeah. That, that was something that was said to me really early on when it was I was you know trying to learn Google ads and Facebook ads and all these other things. Well, it's like eventually you're going to hire somebody for it. So if you know it well enough to hire somebody who's going to do a good job, then that's you know a really good outcome. Yeah, you should know a little bit about it. Again, like I'm so glad that early earlier in my life I learned how to record audio because then when it came time to do my films, I think we got it done much quicker because I knew some audio. I was able right. to kind of make some tweaks if I needed to jump in and do mm-hmm. it. So I think it's again you should kind of know like little bits of it maybe you don't have to go like all the way deep into it but if you're shallow enough to like know how to do something you can jump in and make some tweaks like again knowing Webflow, i'm working with developers now but luckily because i know it and i've done it before i can go quicker and make uh decisions much quicker as Absolutely. well I, th- I think all of that was like i think everybody had a really a lot of good value in that 100%. yeah that was really good i think even, even what you said about being really focused on things but then also having not side projects but like other mm-hmm. kind of passion things going on yeah. just to make sure you're not in the same train of thought running the same neural yeah. path and it opens up exactly. your mind you know exactly. like to, yeah. to, to open that's where you get the best you don't get the best ideas sitting down trying to think of an idea you no. know you get you get you get the best ideas in flow and whatever way you can find flow i think that is like a, a huge piece too um i think we're getting to like a pretty good time right now like in terms of like duration we're gonna have to do part two we're gonna have to do part two of flow states and get in oh so I, psychedelics I think we didn't get into that either yeah like i feel like the the one part where we haven't uh dove into in our, in our three pillars that we've created is is biohacking we talked a lot about business and a lot about uh about we talked a little bit of bullshit i think the bullshit. piece we haven't talked about is like from a biological Franco. level i think I think anybody who's done like what you've done in the time that you've had has like a couple few tweaks, even if they're small on things that they do day to day from a biological level that allows you to do what you do. Um, I feel like, and that's one thing I'm very, very interested in. And so I think to wrap it up uh, before part two of this podcast, which I think is definitely coming. um, 
what is like what's your what's your toolkit look like from a biological level biological level um i don't eat any meat right that is a big one yeah yeah yeah. well i eat seafood right now a little bit but yeah i cut out meat recently so that's been a big thing in helping me feel lighter and i feel like after a meal i don't feel sluggish so you know i go out for lunch with teammates and they bunch of chicken and i have a nice vegetarian meal and they feel sluggish half of the day Hmm. i feel like i'm ready to go Hmm. how long have you been doing that for two years now oh two years fairly fairly yeah yeah well it's not i mean yeah i guess yeah that's a tested concept i (laughs) I haven't done anything for two years yeah (laughs) Yeah, that is true that is true uh marissa just went like full vegan which is crazy so actually i would say 90 percent of my meals are vegan Right, because you're living. I, but I don't say I'm vegan because I can't say I'm. And vegan. you think that the biggest thing is energy, like that's what you get from it. Oh yeah. yeah, energy and you know, um, you know, from from bi- biological standpoint to like you know, um, just my overall health hmm. and how I feel like I relate to the universe through that. Interesting. Yeah, Go so to meal. Go to meal right now. Uh, again, we have like a lot of these weird like vegan versions of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marissa actually makes like the most amazing vegan meals. So I would say the best thing that we've had is like this, like, uh, like sort of like vegan lasagna, which was amazing. Mm, really, cool. really good. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff. She makes like crazy stuff that you would never even think of. And I think it just boosts creativity because you're making like stuff that you would never even think of. You're not just having chicken, rice and vegetables. You're having right. like these crazy intricate meals. So there's a lot of cool stuff there. Can't think of anything off the top of my mind, but there's some awesome great meals there. Cool. It's Maybe we should stuff. give it a shot. I feel like that's something. Yeah, we right. We, we we had no <laughs> chance. Yes, the other day we made these burgers that were like three inches thick. And we had. Like I I was vegan for two months as an experiment. Were you really? Yeah. How did you feel? I, know that. I, I felt all right. The, honestly, the biggest thing I fucking hated it socially. And like maybe, oh. and like that was probably like two or three years ago. So maybe I'd be at a different point right now. Oh, it's. But yeah. one of my things I really really enjoy is going having dinner with someone, and I found that. There was a new, we live in a good city where in every restaurant there's probably a good vegan option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good vegan option where it's like, but I felt like I was always just you would just you would your decision was defaulted towards the vegan option. There was no choice. There was, I don't know. There was nothing. I think that helped me a lot. It was almost like the romanticism around going out and like finding something new. It, it, there was I don't know. I think from a social perspective, it, it's mm-hmm. the one thing that pushed me. Um, and then honestly, like I think there is times when meat does make me feel good um so and uh, there was and I, I noticed that when i went back i was like okay oh, like yeah. i was like you know clean meat i don't know what it, it wasn't like eating was the meat or beating the meat <laughs> those are two very different <laughs> things eating the meat while beating the meat it's a double-edged that's a biohack that's a, bio- <laughs> that's a real biohack right there um but yeah i mean yeah i think i'd be open to trying it again absolutely especially now i feel like when I tried it, it was like a thing. It was kind of like a thing, or it, everyone thought it was like a phase. Whereas, like now, maybe yeah. if I gave it an actual shot. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'll have you guys over for dinner at my place. Ooh, uh, awesome. Marissa and I will cook up some awesome. I'll add Marissa in there because she's just like a vegan chef. She loves it. Um, so we'll definitely have you guys over, Sweet. and we'll make some awesome vegan meals for you. Awesome. Cool. That sounds awesome. Cool. I think it's a good pot, probably spot to wrap it up. Unless yeah. anyone has any anything else. No, that's it, guys. I think ever so much. As wrap it up too, like go check out. Josh, con- I, like, you want to plug your Instagram or like yeah, the yeah. company? And uh, so, company is Controverse. That's C O N T R A V E R S E, and we're all over the internet. You can look us up on Google, and then I have a website, joshgonzalves.com. Uh, last name is G O N S A L V E S. So you can also look me up on Instagram and LinkedIn. Probably not Facebook. I won't accept your friend request, <laughs> but everything else, uh, you can find me online under my real name. Awesome. It's been great. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys.